Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five-minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, and binge on those videos, which, which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Trade Show University. The podcast you need to get better results at your upcoming events, trade shows, conferences. I'm Jim Cermak, your host. And if you are a niche business or even a, you consider yourself a micro niche business, this is going to be a great episode for you. Or maybe if you're a small business or maybe if you're both, you're a small micro niche business and you're wondering, ah, how do I do trade shows? What do I do? You're in the right place. You're in the right place. Before we get into our interview today, got to subscribe to our newsletter. Please get over to our website, tradeshowu.business, tradeshowu.biz, and right up there on the homepage, just drop your email address, because we are now, I'm, I'm dropping two episodes a week, I've, I've done a ton of five-minute episodes that you've got to go and binge on, there's some pro tips, there's some other great episodes, so please subscribe so you don't miss anything, plus I've got some subscriber exclusive stuff coming out you do not want to miss out on and also i want you to think right now who do you know that's also a niche business or a small business share this episode you're going to want to share it they're going to need to hear it okay that's enough of the uh, the intro stuff let's get into this and i i'm so happy to have her on the show today michaela s ben michaela publishes children's books for kids ages three to eight that center on relationship dynamics between family members. Talk about a niche. And she she also provides resources to promote early childhood literacy, social development, and emotional learning. She's a marketing coach also, and she hosts the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, which equips children's book authors to use marketing and distribution strategies to connect with readers and maximize profitability on every book sold. Michaela, thanks for so much for joining me today, and welcome to Trade Show You. Jim, thank you so much for having me on Trade Show You. When you read the bio and the description, I'm just sitting here listening like, wow, I know her. Oh, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. First time since the first time we met, I've just been so I was just drawn in by your in, infectious, your smile. Of course, everyone listening can't see her smile, but she's got such an infectious smile and a wonderful, beautiful spirit. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I had her on because she's got. Even though you're thinking, oh shoot, wait a minute, she's a, a children's book publisher. That's really niche and for three to eight years old. Wow, that's really micro niche. What are we going to learn from her about trade shows? Well, you're about to find out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, let, let me ask you. So, Michaela, tell tell people a little bit about maybe some your trade show experience, and then we'll then we'll start getting into some of the questions I have for you. Sure, sure. So, I was not always a children's book author. Before that, I was a corporate marketing professional. I've worked in every facet of marketing from sales and market research 
to branding and project management on the product management side of a business. So one of the things that I was always responsible for was supporting a sales team in some way that related to either getting out into the masses through trade shows or just providing some of the support necessary for sales to reach the right audience of consumers. And since I was B2B, a lot of the conferences that I attended were heavy industry attendance. So in the print industry, when I was in the product management role for a company that was located in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the print industry, one of the largest events that takes place is in Las Vegas, where all conventions and trade shows like <laughs> to go. And annually, we participated in that. There were several others in addition to the largest that occurred there. So I was primarily responsible for the marketing strategy and working the communications to get the right people there and the right level of service to all the folks who were on the floor coming to visit. So fun, creative stuff. And it translates kind of into the world that I live in today as a children's book author on a much smaller scale because I don't have the budgets that I had <laughs> once. And I don't have the reach because these aren't large regional events. They're not national events. They're the types of event that might happen in a community and it draws lots of other people from within that community. And so having that as my background is what made translating into a smaller scale a little bit easier to fathom because a lot of small businesses would very well just avoid events altogether. You're right. And a lot of them do because they're just, I think they're scared. A lot of them are just scared because typically it's a big investment, whether it might, and all the time it might not even be a huge money investment, but a time investment, a resource investment, and, and also it is, a, it is a financial investment. And where do you begin? And I'm a, I'm a small business and I don't have the people or the bandwidth or the hours to put towards that. So let me start asking. So now you are this small micro niche business and you, you, you know from your history that you wanna do trade shows. How do you decide on which events to go to? That's a really good question because the assumption is that you've written a book, so you should be wherever people go to purchase books. That's the initial assumption. And when you take out all of the various types of books across different genres, that's one way to figure out who your target and ideal reader is and who they're not. So that's one way to help eliminate it, understanding who you've written the book for. The other part of it is understanding where they hang out. So in my case, because my books are written for families, I look for family-oriented events that are going to draw large numbers of people. Now, there are certain things that kind of happen in a community on a regular basis, like a farmer's market or a community event that is just for Saturday for a couple of hours. Those aren't the types of events that I typically aim for because they don't get enough foot traffic to justify the vendor fees. So we've got all these different events that you could potentially consider. And to determine if there's enough foot traffic, you have to know how widely the event is being marketed how much support is being lent toward 
getting people there is a huge determining factor for whether or not they're going to draw enough people to make the vendor fees worthwhile. And then you also have to take into account that when you do these types of events, a one-for-one sale isn't the only way to gauge your win. Your win is a factor of how many people you've met who can ultimately how many people you've met who can ultimately help bring greater visibility to what you're doing or who have the potential to purchase your product in larger quantities than just a sale here or a sale there. Now, in my case, because children's books are something that can be purchased by individuals who have varying degree of decision-making skills, looking for someone when I'm at events, isn't just a matter of meeting people who are interested in reading the books, but it's also a factor of meeting people who can make decisions around books and curriculum that get developed in school systems, curriculum that gets adapted to programs where children are the focal point and maybe a mentoring capacity exists there because there are themes and there are concepts that those organizations look for as supporting mechanisms to bring education in a unique way. And then there's also people who could become potential partners. When you look at people who are potential partners, it might not seem obvious, but those people that have booths and who have vendor tables also at the event could potentially be someone you want to work with. For instance, I did an event in the city of Atlanta, it was a very large event. It's the largest Juneteenth festival in the country. And because lots of vendors from all over the Southeast were there, I went from booth to booth to introduce myself, of course, to drive traffic back to my vendor table in my area. But I found someone there who makes puzzles and they can take an image and they can uniquely fit the image into a puzzle of any scope, whether it's a square or a rectangle, or whether it's something that's going to become a poster board size. Hmm. And this is what they do. And that would be an awesome poster concept to create for a child who's read my children's book, who understands who the characters are, And it gives parents an opportunity to work alongside the child to build the puzzle. And I don't have a puzzle creation operation within my scope. So that's somebody I've partnered with. So that's another reason. It's not just about the one-off sales. It's more about who else you can build connections with. I love that. And I love how you said you have to gauge your win. You have to gauge your win. I want everyone to think about that for your company. And maybe you don't have, maybe you're not an author, or maybe you're not a book publisher, but you've got to, you really have to think today and have your wheels spinning on how can I take what Michaela is is sharing, this goal is really gold. This is really great stuff. And how could I, how could I put that into my niche, into my industry? Think about your audience. Who is it that you're, that you're really trying to attract? And then think beyond that immediate audience. Who else, like Michaela said, is, okay, I want, I want someone who wants to buy books, but then there's going to be people that want to buy books in bulk, and maybe there's schools, and then now there's partnerships, and then maybe some of the other vendors. So you really have to think beyond where you're at right now or what maybe your initial 
the initial reason for wanting to go to a trade show is is just immediately selling. I want to sell 20 books. I want to sell these books to these people or whatever your product is and start thinking about the bigger. How do I scale this? And how do I find ancillary products? How do I find new vendors? How do I find, you know, there's so much that you can do. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumpy. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> great stuff. Okay. But you're a small business. You're a small business. Yeah. So, and, and you're in, you're in Georgia. So do you, did you look, how did you find the, these, the shows that you ended up exhibiting at? couple of ways, actually. So even though I'm from the great state of Ohio and I have lived all over the Midwest, I was more familiar with events that take place in the Midwest. The events that have an equivalent of some sort that are here in the South were the first place for me to start. So that was one way of having a frame of reference helped me know what scope was even within a reasonable distance of where I live. Another way that I looked at the events was to determine how frequently they occur and how many days they are. Because if you're a vendor and you have to make investments in your setup, if you're going to be outside, there's a different set of expenses that you have from when you're inside. Mm -hmm. Outside, you need a tent. Outside, you probably need to prepare for extreme hot or extreme cold. Mm -hmm. You need to be prepared for rain. You also need to be prepared for the possibility that somebody has to close by when you have to go to the bathroom (laughs) so they can man your table. And a lot of people don't think about that. So you have to take into account what your preferences are. Do you want to be outside? Do you want to be inside? And for those events that take place during the time of the year where it makes the most sense to be outside, I'd prefer to be outside because that's where the people are most likely to spend their time. Whereas in the later months of the year, because the weather doesn't permit, you don't have the option. You have to be inside. Another thing I think makes a big difference when you determine what your bandwidth is going to be for how many events you attend is who is drawn to the events. And so one of the events that I just recently wrapped up was for women in business. And to know that a lot of those women make decisions for educational systems because they are educational consultants. And a lot of those women who were attending the event are attending the event because they want to gauge the opportunity for them to get into business. That means that's a twofer for me because I can talk about my author brand, the little Mr. Fix-It book series. And I can talk about how someone may refer to my podcast when they're looking for insight into how exactly to publish a children's book because they'll see it and they'll say, hey, I've thought about publishing a children's book before. I don't even know where to start. And they can then get the information from the podcast to become more familiar with what goes on in this world. So determining how your audience is going to show up is really one of the biggest factors. And it it factors into whose event it is. Such great stuff that you're you're considering. And, And obviously, 
budget's a big issue. You know, you're a small business, and so you have to think, okay, if it's a one or two day event that's drivable, and I can come back home each night, that's way different than a three or four day event in Las Vegas. You've got to fly, you have the hotel, you have meals, transportation, all that stuff. So how, as especially as a smaller business, how do you afford to pay and, and budget for some of these events? Oh, that's a great question. And I think a lot of small businesses hesitate to participate in these types of events because they think it should come directly out of the revenue that they generate mm. from each sale. And then the mindset is that if the number that you have in mind to sell that month isn't reached, then you don't have the ability to cover the cost of an event. Or if the amount that you hope to generate in revenue from the event isn't realized, then it was either a loss or a waste. And the reality is you use business resources the same way you would if you were a larger business. Business credit is always an option. And if the marketing plan that exists for a small business doesn't in some way incorporate business funding, there's a strong chance that they're not just holding themselves back from being able to scale, whether that means using ads or whether that means adding new products that make sense as a complement to the existing products that are in their line. It means that you're not going at a pace that justifies being in business. Because if you really break it down, we have to spend money in order to make money. And if we're not spending money in some ways that are going to put us in front of the larger potential audience members, those that we cannot reach organically with social media, those that are outside of our friends and family network, those that are outside of our extended members who might be connected to us on LinkedIn, who might be connected to us because we're former colleagues, then you're kind of pigeonholing yourself and being a smaller operation than you might ideally have in mind. So business credit is one of the ways to bring funds in. Another way is through sponsorship. Now, I have a children's book that has all of this imagery of father, son, love. Because the story is little Mr. Fix-It assists with the to-do list that his dad and him are working through mm. home improvement projects throughout the Saturday that they're doing this and created the list. A lot of people can relate to this. And because you've got all these different images that speak to what's happening in the story, there's my potential set of sponsors because there is a product that exists in almost every illustration that aligns with some corporation or someone who may feel compelled to get additional visibility in the space where I am going to bend. So having their name associated with the story in some way helps to get their marketing messages out there because there's alignment. So sponsorship is another way. And it really depends on the brand it's unique according to each company who exactly you're most closely in alignment with that you might be able to pitch to and say that I'm attending an event, I'm looking for support, can you contribute? The fees for vending are 
let's say anywhere between $500 and $1,200, can you contribute in some way if we include your name here? If we provide this additional marketing copy that bears your logo, if we continue to message to our community while we're at this event, participating in the event and showing that even though you're not physically here, you are supporting what we're doing. That's another way to get it paid for. I love that. I, I so you got business credit, which is some may not have considered that before, and and that's definitely a a more traditional way. But I love the creativity that you've done it, and you've done it. It sounds like in a way that's that is not it's not overly promotional, overly out there. But there's the opportunity for that sponsorship. You've you've woven that in strategically into the into these stories. Wow, that's great. So everyone listening, how can you do something like that? What can you do in your business where you can you can start looking for sponsorships? Maybe you have vendors that you use on a regular basis that you can turn to and say, I give you all this business because of XYZ, because of our product that you, you manufacture a part for, I turn to you. So maybe they could become a sponsor. Just think creatively and and rewind that listen to that again and be inspired by what she is doing which is just so i hate saying out of the outside the box but that's what it is it's just a great way to to finance your opportunities to get in front of your audience at a in a bigger and more meaningful way just outstanding now you let me go back a little bit or not back but you had mentioned you know your experience in big business and some of the things that you learned about business credit and financing. Tell me what strategies from a marketing standpoint did you learn from your years in big business that you have successfully applied to your smaller niche business? Specifically, maybe when it comes to events and trade shows. There are quite a few. So when I was with International Paper in Cincinnati, the division of international paper that I was product manager for had a huge trade show where we were able to take massive cutting device. It could cut anything from like glass to metal. It was so unique in a way where it's called the Kongsberg. So anybody who's a a print industry junkie knows exactly what I'm (laughs) talking about is a massive piece of equipment and it does so many things from a functionality standpoint so in order for us to display how exactly the kongsberg worked what we had to do was come up with something creative thematically to make it possible to show this equipment in action and what the team created was basically a tiki concept where it was a bit of a hawaiian-esque cut out that had your name personalized on it and it was the very thick acrylic that only certain industrial print equipment could cut so we basically printed on this memorabilia the image ran it through the machine to cut it and you come out with this desktop tiki themed surfboard 
with a stand that had to be assembled. And what I did was make it possible for people to identify where to get that from. And that's what drew people back to the booth. So you see people walking around with these things and they're huge because you can't really put it in a bag. So you've got to carry it. And as people were walking around the trade show floor, the question was often, where did you get that? They send the people back to our booth. They put in the request. The request would be fulfilled in about 30 minutes time. And that was long enough for the sales team to connect with the customer. Wow. So that send this out to bring people back concept was one of the things that I borrowed from my life as a product manager. And the way I do that now, I take from my stack of bookmarks, bookmarks that explain where to find the book, what the book is about, how to access the book from a QR code that's on the bookmark. And I leave it with people who have boots who won't be able to get out other than strategically. I leave it with people who have families that they're walking around with. And you can see who's of age between the range of three and eight based on an assumption you make about how old kids are who are doing certain things. And I give those to the parents and that brings them back to the booth. And that in turn gets them intrigued to make sure they find us. And I have what booth we're on so they know where to go. And it's one of the ways that people have made purchases, even though they didn't have a lot of time to walk the floor or to walk through the show. But just being asked to come and check us out is powerful because if you're at a trade show or you're at a vendor event and you're not familiar with the layout, you don't know who all is in attendance. So it's helpful to be brought out from the crowd and toward the places that you really would like to interact with. So that that's one of the biggest things that, that I bring with me. The other thing that I bring with me is the list generation component of this. So from the, persist- from the position of building your email list, everybody's not gonna buy, which is to be expected. But I keep with me a list of discussion points that I've had with people. And I don't ask everybody for their email address because I don't want everybody's email address. Some people just show up because they're trying to be polite. Some people show up and they think what you have is cute or they think what you have is nice, but they're not likely to purchase from you because they don't have any really good reason to gift it to someone. But everybody I have a conversation with, I keep on a log sheet. What we talked about, why we talked about, whatever it is we discussed and how to find them, what the potential is for us to work together. And that by far has been better than just leaving out front and asking people to sign up for my newsletter, because I don't care if they sign up for the newsletter. I care about creating new collaborative opportunities. That's powerful. I love, I really, really appreciate that because that's something that anyone who's listened to me for a while, they know that, I say, don't just go for badge scans. Don't just go for business cards. Don't just get people to sign up or throw their, throw you know, fill out a little form so they can win something. Because you're going to come back, and half that is going to be people that you don't that are never going to buy from you. Learn from what Michaela said, and and help help yourself 
on the on the back end of the show. Yes, okay, maybe instead of a hundred names, you came you came back with twenty, but those twenty are quality, and you have information about each and every one of them, and you probably had a really good conversation with most of those as well. So that is fantastic stuff, Michaela. Thank you so much. You shared so many great value tips here and things that hopefully people are going to just now when I. You're going to think back to when I said, you, who, is, who else do you know that's in a niche business? you got to share this. You have to share this. Such great stuff. So as we wrap up today, what would be one or two top takeaways or tips that you really want people to, to leave with today? You know, Jim, well, before I share a tip, i got to thank you for giving me a chance to share this insight with small business owners because when people think about what is involved with being a small business, there's often a lot of fear that exists with just going out there and trying to do the thing. And one of the key takeaways that I have is to take the limits off all of the restrictions, all of the things that you've told yourself about why you can't do it and instead look for reasons to justify why you can. And when the events that populate your purview seem attractive, don't talk yourself out of it. Don't talk yourself out of getting involved. Don't talk yourself out of submitting the application. That sounds like saying, oh, I'm already too late. It's too close to the deadline. They probably have enough people already. I'm sure they have somebody else who sells the same thing that I sell. And that might be true, but you still got to go for it. So that that's kind of like a bonus takeaway. A little bit of a motivation for anybody who's on the fence and thinking that it's not possible. It is. Uh, one of the things that I'd encourage people to do, Jim, is to make it possible for your display to be filled with assets that you can sell as opposed to creating something that looks really great and is attractive, but you have to carry from place to place because the goal isn't to leave with everything you came with. The mm -hmm. goal is to sell through as much as what you have. So that's one thing. Part of the display has to be used with the intention of giving it away, whether that's a part of a giveaway or a contest or selling through it. So that's one thing. Another one I'd say, when you look at the follow-up, assess what went well and what didn't. And I say this because the event that I attended two weekends ago, was full of people who have the power to make decisions that I can't make. That follow-up is not instant. Of course, you get back to people, but that encounter in your space that where, where you're bending is usually the beginning of a relationship. So the expectation might need to temper a bit to understand that you might talk to somebody at the booth and then you might have to send them an email once a month for a couple of months before anything significant happens. 
And that doesn't render it a waste. That makes it a part of your journey. So embrace it. That's awesome. Listen to that part again. <laughs> and I love that, that it was very inspirational. It's, it's not, you know, giving up because as a small business owner, I know how hard that is and, and especially taking that leap. And, and sometimes, Michaela, I know, and I'm sure you could, you could <laughs> share this, uh, this thought with me. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy and we get yeah. in our own way. And sometimes we just got to push ourselves out of the way and say, you know, what advice would I give if my best friend came to me and they said, Hey, I'm going to do this. Would I say, yeah, you don't want to do that. You know what? There's going to be other people. No, you would be encouraging and go, you got this. You go, oh, no, my gosh, you don't miss this opportunity. So right. I, I'm so glad that you shared that because that's just really, really powerful stuff. Thank you for all you shared today and for who you are. So if, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way for them to do that is to find me on Instagram. I'm very simply children's book marketing. <laughs> and my name, Michaela S. Ben, the same way it'll show in your show notes is how they can find me there. If they're more into, I want to see what you do as a marketer, as someone who has figured out the right way to profitably sell children's books and reach more readers, definitely check me out at childrensbookmarketing.co. That's .co, not .com, .co. And as Michaela said, I will drop all that in the show notes. So please be sure to do that and and connect with her. I'm sure she would be more than happy to answer some questions. And especially if you're looking for some help in uh, in the marketing area. And if you're and if you're and if you're an author, connect with her or she's just connect with her because she's amazing. Thank you again for sharing It has just been an absolute pleasure having you on. It has been a pleasure being here, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that this inspires small business owners of any business type to get out there and get out of their own way. Awesome. Awesome. So everybody connect with her, connect with McAllis, check out what she's doing and learn. Don't, don't just put on the blinders and say, well, I, I'm not in that business. I'm not in that niche. If you have a niche business, you can learn from her and figure it out, get creative, take the blinders off and just run after it and continue to keep coming back here to trade show. You've got so many great episodes on for small businesses, for niche businesses, for those businesses on how to get better at shows and events and conferences and be sure to subscribe wherever you're at. And we'll see you on campus right here at trade show you.